0: Hi, and welcome to The Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real raw and what it means to be the confident woman. This episode is brought to you by The Confident Woman Collective. The collective is an amazing place to get together where you can have everything all in one place. I know I've searched for places to grow from coaches, whether it's professionally, personally, really all the different ways that you can grow and find a coach. And in order to do that, you're spending a ton of money on all these coaches to fulfill all the needs we have to be able to grow into our most confident self. So what's unique about the collective is you have all these guides, experts, ladies that are, you know, experts in different disciplines of life that are coming together in one place so that you can just have one membership that fulfills all the needs that you have to help become your most confident self. All right, ladies, today we have a very special guest with us today. We have Heather Chauvin. Heather is a leadership coach who helps successful women courageously and authentically live, work, and parent on their own terms. Heather started her career as a social worker helping adults understand children's behavior. But it wasn't until 2013 when a stage four cancer diagnosis pushed her to take a deeper stand for change. Uncovering how cultural expectations sabotage our dreams. She has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Real Simple Magazine, Mind Body Green, Google, and more. When Heather isn't working, you will find her living out what she teaches with many, including trips to Alaska for kayaking, snowboarding, hiking, or anything else that challenges what she believes is possible for her and inviting her children along the journey. Life is full of opportunities. It's time to feel alive. I could not agree more. So thank you so much for joining me, Heather. This is—I uh, know when we were just chatting a little bit before the the start of this episode, it's just really cool, you know. You're calling in from Canada and reading your bio and just learning a bit more of you. And I know we're going to talk further about your story and your journey, and really the topic of why self sabotage is a good thing. Mm. So welcome, Heather. And tell us a little bit more about how you got to where you're at.
1: Yeah, I was actually just reflecting. Thank you, Rachel. I was just reflecting on that, how, you know, I talk a lot now on podcasts or stages. And I remember the day, like the first time, like 10 years ago, when I saw a summit, right? Like those online summits. And Mm -hmm. I just remember being like, I want to be on one of those. And you know, manifesting is real, going after your dreams is a real thing. And who I am now compared to who I was, it's fascinating to see how you can actually change. Like you can change how you think, you can change how you feel, you can change the outcome and the beliefs that I have now. And even when people read my bio, I'm like, holy shit, like who I needed to become in order to attract that. And I don't know about you, and I'm sure people listening, but it's like, I'm always thinking like, what's my message? What am I teaching people? And I find it really, we find it easy because it's us. Mm -hmm. And other people are like, I could never do that. I could never try snowboarding or I could never, you know, and I'm like, it's not that I'm good at any of this stuff. Like I'm an amateur at it, but it's this zest that I've had for a long time to feel alive. So to go back a little bit, I always like to start the conversation or the story when they're like who are you is i was not this type of person my whole Mm -hmm. life and it was when i became a mother at the age of 18 and my son is now actually 17 so that's bringing up a whole other can of worms but my boys are 17 12 and 9 and so when i became a i was a single parent at the age of 18 living in my mother's basement wasn't even in like college or university yet found out i was pregnant like three weeks before school was done and I just, at that point in my life, I was like a very depressed, anxious, miserable teenager who got like the C's and the D's and, you know, the projected expectation of who I was going to become was like, there was just not a high standard there. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting pregnant, looking at my son for the first time and thinking, I'm not going to become a statistic and he's not going to become a statistic. And there was something inside of me, that little switch that just went on and I remember wanting change and asking myself, how can I, how can I, how can I? And feeling very alone and that, you know, there was a lot of adults around me that really doubted me, that didn't challenge me in a good way. It was the shame, projected shame, like the traditional models of parenting, right? That we see of like, good luck with that, you're gonna fail and all of that. Adults having no emotional intelligence skills, right? So here I am raising this child wanting to go to school so i decide to go to school while i'm raising him and then he starts presenting behaviors Mm. anger anxiety all of these things and i'm going to the doctor i'm going to therapists i'm doing the things and it wasn't until i found meditation and mindfulness that i started to understand human behavior and human emotional psychology and emotional intelligence and all of that and i couldn't fathom why mainstream education and mainstream places that you go for help, which are doctors and therapists and would not talk about this. I mean, 10 years ago, like a lot has changed. So fast forward, I was a social worker and I was working with families and I was watching how the judgment from adults onto a child and it pissed me off right off because Mm -hmm. one, I could see myself in that child's Two, I was like, you don't even understand what that child has gone through. And we're judging their behavior. We're labeling their behavior. But then at home, I was experiencing the exact same thing with my own son. And I'm projecting my anger and anxiety onto him because I didn't know how to manage my own. So then I was seeing this duality between I am a mother. I am a human. My child is a human. And then the parenting piece is the relationship. So fast forward, I leave social work. I decide to become a business owner. <laughs> Did not know what that meant because I had no desire. <laughs> Sounded I'm laughing, good. <laughs> I'm laughing because you're like, oh, yeah, you think it's going to be way better on that side. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. crap, now I'm a 100. I'm the person who gets my paycheck. Like, it's a shit show, right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> So then I decide to leap. I do the scary thing, whatever. Six months in, my youngest is like a year old. So six months in from leaving, like signing the contract of like, I can no longer go back to my job. That's when I'm diagnosed with cancer. So I'm diagnosed with a stage four cancer. My abdomen at the point like was a little bloated. And, you know, I'd hear things like, gluten allergy or you know whatever and i'm like oh is it a gluten allergy is it this again i take action i go to the doctor i do the thing they're like i don't know what's wrong with you i don't know what's wrong with you and i'm like there's clearly something fucking wrong with me what is going on right so um very quickly it started growing and growing and then symptoms started and i go to the emergency room someone finally listens to me they do a ct of my abdomen and basic blood work. And while I'm in the emergency room, they tell me I have cancer. They're wow. like, Heather, I was 27, three kids. They're like, based on your blood work and the CT, you can see these little tumors all over your abdomen. And the creepy thing, Rachel, was I knew. Mm-hmm. And I talk about it in my book. I It was a knowing, and it was like, I was running away from it. And my running away was me being like, I don't have time for me. I was using all the cultural excuses as a mother, busy mother. I don't have time for me. I I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're just gonna, you know, they're gonna give me the run around. I was scared, but I was using my excuses to armor my fear. Mm -hmm. And then I keep, you know, (laughs) of course I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna have stage one. It's gonna be fine, whatever. They're like, you have stage four. We, you don't even actually get an option to, to like, Google your way out of this or drink your green smoothies. Like you, you've waited too long. You're now in a crisis state and you're probably not going to make it through the weekend if you don't start conventional medicine ASAP. So then I have to surrender to a modality that, that has failed me in the past. And, you know, I'm starting to have more holistic beliefs. So I'm like, I have to integrate my worlds of being human, having this human experience and knowing that like. I've neglected myself for so long that I'm now in a crisis state and I have no other option. So went through treatment, did all the, all of that. I'm here. I'm alive. That was like nine years ago. I'm healthier than I've ever been. I tell the story, but it's, it's not a part of my identity. I identify mm-hmm. with nothing that is like cancer survivor. It's not in my bio unless someone wants it to be in the bio and the book dying to be a good mother after that, I completely, like I was in the hospital, I actually had coaching clients and I didn't have the privilege, the financial privilege at the time to not work. Mm -hmm. So I was like coaching clients from my hospital bed while I'm getting chemo injected into my body, coaching them on their child's behavior because that was the focus. And I remember my clients and I only had a handful at the time. And I said to them, if I can't show up to the call, I won't. I said, but you're giving me life right now. And she would say, you're giving me life right now. Like, I can't believe that I'm coming to you with XYZ problem when you were literally on your deathbed. And I remember coming out of that experience saying, I'm done pretending that this is about children. I'm Mm -hmm. done pretending and answering the question of how do I get my children to listen to me, how do I change my children's behavior, how do I da 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 da? I was like, listen, you only want to control your children because there's something within you that you don't feel in control of, mm-hmm. and it's not that your children don't have to change. There's a difference between holding a boundary and say, you don't get to talk to me like that, versus I need to change the child's behavior to make myself emotionally comfortable. And and that was this catapult of like, oh my gosh, I was actually dying to be a good modern mother, dying to be a good woman, dying how often we abandon our needs, our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our emotional needs, and not even know how to identify what we need. So that's the work I've been doing the last eight years, and it has completely transformed into how this actually shows up for women in their everyday lives, in their health, but also those who do own businesses, how they're literally taking that shit and bringing it into their business in money, in team leadership, and really owning our value and how we want to feel in the world.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm your story is so inspiring. I'm I'm literally getting chills when you're talking this through and I'm making little notes on the side here. And it's just, it's so inspiring. And, and I'm so honored to sit here with you right now because we don't we, we tend to take life for granted, right? And we ignore what life in, in our body is trying to tell us because we're so focused on the external of looking the part, being the part, doing the things that we forego our own health. And I'm incredibly in awe by, by what you're doing and, and your story it's moving. And I know that you didn't want that as like, you know, be labeled now as a cancer survivor. And I, you know, that's, it's something that you had to sit with and say, "I don't want to be known for the thing that happened to me. I want it to be used for the good and the betterment of not only my children's lives, but for those others out there who need that that hope that cling to." And it's so profound. And and you know, I was jotting that down and like, you know, kind of taking back into at the beginning of, of you sharing your story, I was writing down how being an amateur, you had mentioned an amateur, and and I feel that that's such a great starting point because i think for many and especially women in this business space or entrepreneurial aspect or just trying to get life going right because we're just like what do we do with this this life but you mentioned that it was being an amateur you weren't trying to be the best at anything or everything but when you're in an amateur mode you become more curious and that got you into you know just seeing the possibilities, exploring what could be, and leading you on and being that uh, you know model for your children and for others as well. And it came through your own personal experiences. And you know having that desire to want change is different than actually taking the action to create the change. And I love that you talk about all this stuff, because I think for anyone even just starting out, that may be where they're at. Maybe they're like, at this point, I want change. I have no idea how to begin, what to do, or any of that. And it's that curiosity that keeps you on your toes, seeking that change, seeking those areas that need improvement and refinement, and going after them with an open mind and saying, I'm an amateur at everything. I know nothing. And as long as I know nothing, the world is my oyster kind of thing. And it's going to feel lonely. And especially as you go through those different seasons in life and in business, and you're sharing that story. It really resonated with me because different stories, very similar paths and very similar walks. And I can relate to so much of what you shared, you know, from foregoing my own health concerns and and you having to battle that as well. And luckily, you know, we get to that point where it's like you have mentioned the knowing you knew and so did I but we didn't do anything about it as if it was their badge of honor to keep pushing and performing and doing the things because who has time to stop and take care of this thing? Because people are depending on us and and they need us. And, but the reality is, and I know that you'll agree at this point too, is like, you are the focal of of the business to your, you're the mother of your children. Like they need you to be at your best. And it's, you know, when you talked about like, the cultural and society pressures of all these things that are coming at you, it's like we constantly have to switch those hats and roles and identities to be the thing, but yet it's going to cost us something. And it could cost us our business. It could cost us our relationships, our finances, or our health of all the things. And I, I love that you mentioned your excuses were your armor to prevent the fear from creeping in. And how many of us mask that, right? So we find ourselves like just masking things to pretend that everything's okay. Because if we had to you know, take off that armor, we're vulnerable and we have to deal with what the consequences or the situations are. And, and maybe we're not prepared or equipped and, and aren't able to manage through that. But it was just, you know, again, your story is incredible. And, and I wrote down coaching when you're in your processes of getting your IVs. Who was there taking care of you as you were pouring into others? And I love that you mentioned that your clients were like, you're sitting over here, you're pouring life into me. And at what point in your, this walk of your journey, was it kind of like, yeah, that's right. Who is pouring into me? And did you have that support system?
1: Well, I actually find this interesting because it was nine years before my diagnosis that I started investing in personal development. So people assume that cancer was the cracking open and it's the ultimate story and all of that. But there was like, I started investing in coaching nine years before that. Like I was like early twenties when I purchased my first $10,000 mastermind before masterminds were even cool. and. I didn't even know how I was going to pay for that. And so when people tell me certain things now, like I can't afford it, I can't do it, I was like, I was like paying for therapy when I was on government assistance. Like I don't understand, but what I see now is that my priorities were in check. So I would much rather pay for therapy when I was challenged than new shoes or clothes or whatever it was. So my priorities were there. and what i realized though is it's just how we've been born and bred so i was invested in coaching and mentorship and i remember like the first time i made that investment telling my coach my first coach if i knew the result that i was going to get from this experience i would have done this a long time ago but i didn't know because we're told to talk about our problems but we're not told how to create a solution Mm -hmm. and you, you asked like who was pouring into you and I had support. My husband was around. My mother-in-law took care of the kids like and my husband took care of them too but I will tell you and I've said this publicly I was very angry at my husband because I watched him just stare at me and be like and sink and swim because he does not take care of himself even to this day he will just give 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 from a place of guilt and i looked at him and i said you do not understand how selfish you are being right now by not taking care of yourself because you're just go 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 i'm like you're working to keep your mind busy but you need to take care of yourself but he's looking at me like I don't know how to take care of myself. And I just remember the anger, resentment, and also the fact that I still had to work. I was livid. (laughs) I was livid that I had to do that. And I remember having to face all of it, having to face my money shit, having to face my resentment at looking at my husband being like, you're not taking care of yourself. And then turning it back on me and going, What does this say about you, Heather? How did you get here? How you're living within patriarchy, assuming that some Prince Charming is going to financially save you. You didn't marry that type. And if you did, it would piss you off anyways, because you're the one who wants to build an empire. So what aspect inside of you is playing small? Mm. So then I had to face my money stuff and face. So again, it was like backed into a corner right? And then I had to go, I'm investing in these mentors. And it was interesting because I would invest in mentors that had a very like self-care vibe, like pleasure prescription vibe, like, you know, take care of yourself while going after your dreams, very feminine. But I didn't let it seep all the way in. Mm -hmm. I couldn't feel it because there was this sense of lack and worthiness inside of me. And I had to be like, you are worthy of embodying what you want. You are worthy of going after it. So I had community around me, I had people around me, but who actually took care of me was me. Yes,
0: I, that was actually the answer I was kind of thinking it was going to go in that direction and I couldn't agree more. It's it's almost like when we look at our support system and it's almost like they aren't meeting the expectations that we've placed upon ourselves to be cared for, nurtured for, or, you know, provided for, whatever that is. And it really is a reflection of how we perceive what that expectation is. And it comes back to you know, our internal beliefs and our blueprints and, and all that. And I love that you said, you, know, you turned that back on you and said, you know, Heather or Rachel, how, why do you see it that way? And it really, you know, even in my own journey, I took a lot of that reflectiveness, like holding the mirror up and it's like, okay, well, I can't control my husband. I can't control, you know, my friends. I can't control my parents, siblings, whatever that is. But it's like, what can I control? And what are some of those things that I have to begin to let go of so that the control is released and things could just be. And it was almost like in that being is when things started to click and shift because it was no longer me trying to tighten that grip but I had to let go of it. And very similar to to what you had just shared. It's like, you know, having all those people around you, you can, by not recognizing that, you build up that anger, resentment, this bitterness, this guilt, and just like you feel like crap. And then you're just pushing these people away that are really trying to care and provide and support you. But yet they're not meeting that, that expectation that hadn't been the same standard of what they were capable of and it was just you know very similar so i can relate to a lot of this you know different stories different walks and and anyone even listening i you know take some of that self reflective time and consider you know when things aren't working out why why do you believe that they aren't is it based on a, something that um, you know, in your own belief system, the expectations, are the situations really as bad as they may appear? Are the people in your life really not equipped or are you not giving them the space or or empowering them to let them know that they can? And so I think that happens a lot, you know, when we look at it from a control perspective. And control typically tightens when we feel we're backed against a wall and uh, fear is coming at you and you are just control as possible to hold it on for dear life. And it's just letting that go as cliche as it is. It's the process.
1: It's interesting that you say that because my podcast used to be called mom is in control. Mm-hmm. and Now it's called emotionally uncomfortable, which is the oh, sign behind me. Yes. And, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Because mom is in control was I'm a mom and I want to feel in control and people would type mom control and they would find me. And then the first thing I would tell them is you want control because you feel out of control and you have to do the inner work. And so, but the interesting part is after this whole thing, I started to, I kind of created this strategy that was called energetic time management management. And it was taking all of this woo-woo stuff that we read in personal development, like you were saying, it's like when you're trying to control, fear is kind of taken over. Okay, well, what's the opposite of fear? Trust, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm trusting life, if I'm trusting the process, how am I energetically showing up, right? And so I'm like loose. I'm like, no problem. It'll be fine. It's not that I'm like do-do-do-do-do. i am still taking action, Mm -hmm. I'm still taking action, but I'm not so attached to the action. I'm not attached to the outcome. I'm like, okay, like this is, you know, a vote for who I want to be, all of that stuff, like Atomic Habits, James Clare vibe. But I remember Danielle Laporte saying her book came out called The Desire Map Around That Time, and it was her thing out of the book was it's not the thing, it's the feeling that you're after. But I needed a concrete way to actually implement that into my life, and it was you know, so she'd say, it's not the house that you want. Why do you want the house? Well, I want space, or I want status, or I want newness, or I want clean energy, or whatever the heck it is, or next level vibes. I don't know, whatever it is. And so when you're understanding the energy, then you just reverse engineer what that is. So I'm like, okay, I want to feel alive. I want to feel strong. How would that version of me show up today? Okay, well, I'm getting out of bed, I'm taking a shower, I'm going to the gym, I'm or going for a walk if I didn't have that much energy. And so this starts to translate into my parenting. This starts to translate into my business. How am I showing up if I, you know, okay, you want a million-dollar business. Why? Well, freedom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, one, how does a million-dollar business owner show up? right? Because I didn't know I was, I was never there. And then you get there and you're like, oh, that wasn't the money I was after. It was <laughs> the energy of like getting there, like the journey to get there. But you want the freedom, but you won't give yourself permission to even feel that feeling until you accomplish the goal. And then you accomplish the goal and you're like, this is it? Well, I don't feel that way. Well, you don't feel that way because you're not willing to get emotionally uncomfortable and mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. If you want to feel joy, you also have to feel grief. If you want to trust, I think we're all familiar with what fear feels like, but it's like, you have to lean into it. You have to surrender. I mean, that's a skill. And -hmm. if you're not willing to get emotionally uncomfortable and take risk, right? People get so stuck, especially in business, like, hey, you have to make this investment. You don't have these skills, you need help. And it's like, well, I can't, can't afford it. Cool, why do you keep telling yourself that? You actually keep telling yourself that to stay comfortable. You don't tell yourself that because you actually believe or you don't trust yourself or there's something else there. It's like you actually have to give yourself permission to go after what you want and that is going to scare the shit out of you. So yeah, it's such a mind game to actually become and feel better.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So true. And it's, uh, I always say like, if your dream scares the shit out of you, then you know, you're dreaming big. Like the, you know, the small, the small stuff will keep you small because it's comfortable. It's complacent, but oh, that's how it, you know, if, if your dream's not big enough, you're playing too small or something like that. And and um, there's different versions of like that, that quote, but when I heard it, it resonated with me. and I was just like, Oh, okay. I need, I need to, uh, I need to level up. And then I'm even finding myself in the season right now where I'm, I'm, I literally am going after my dreams that are so big. They scare the shit out of me that it, it's almost like I'm living in this moment of like fear and panic and all the stuff because it's almost like, you know, when you write out your goals and it's like, okay, this is my three year, my five year, my 10 year. And I have my five year still on the horizon, not even like, wasn't even on my radar. And it's like, great, you got five weeks to make this happen. You're like, what the how and so that's where that fear and the panic and that like scarcity and the lack and all the stuff comes at you because it's like good luck you have five years you got five weeks crunch time and so i i can totally attest to that and you know i'm i'm in that season right now where it's like okay there's fear i'm well aware of it hey fear i see you and then there's faith and there's trust and it's like i see you too and then the fear is like, but I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm, I'm more, you're familiar with me more. And it's like, it. as much as you don't want to be its friend, it just kind of attaches you and goes along for the ride. And so, yeah, get, getting clear on that dream, that vision, focusing on the outcome, the energy, the feeling is if you've already stepped into that, because when you've experienced it, it helps fear fade off, like melting off because you're living in your mind, this version that has not yet been created. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, somebody listening to be like, I don't understand. It sounds kind of woo or whatever it is. It's almost like the duality of these realities. Like here's the reality here today that doesn't tell you that, you know, like, yeah, clearly you got five weeks, like there's no denying that. But yet the reality that you can almost escape to is to continuing to focus on the direction and that outcome. And you made a good point about, you know, surrendering and letting go of that grip and you know, how is a way like helping some of your clients as well. And those who are listening, what are some of the tangibles or some takeaways that, you know, if somebody's like, I have no idea if you somehow become my best friend, I hate it. I want to break up with it. What do we do? And so what was some of those things for you?
1: Well, first, I think understanding that fear is normal and we all have a negativity bias. So it's part of being human. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, I started learning that when I was doing meditation, but people always have the misconception that like, when I meditate, my thoughts get louder. And it's like, of course they do. One, you're living in modern culture. Two, you've avoided your thoughts. So now that you're trying to rest your body, they're getting really, really loud. It's it's just like a detox. You know, you pull everything out of the closet. It looks way messier for a little bit before it gets organized. And that's like anything when you choose to up-level in your life. but. I don't know when it was when i realized like fear is never going away i remember talking to somebody once and i was like okay now that i've gotten over the fear and she was like what Mm -hmm. like she couldn't fathom she's like gotten over the fear and i'm like yeah yeah like it's gone she's like oh okay like she just couldn't fathom that i got over fear Which I didn't. It just, I got over that little tiny hump because she was an entrepreneur that was further along than I was. And now I'm like, hey, fear. And I also talk about guilt a lot because women experience a lot of guilt and people talk about fear, but they don't talk about guilt. I'm like, yeah, they're in the, you know, they're there with you. It's like, I see you, I see you, I see you. So the practical ways of that is just acknowledging that you have fear and you have guilt or you have shame or you have an emotion that you're Mm -hmm. feeling jealousy, whatever it is like it's there. Acknowledge it. Stop trying to shove it down and not feel. And then talk to it. Like I like to write fear love letters. I love to write. I'm like, dear fear, what do you need me to know? Like talk to it like it's a toddler trying to get your attention. And then it's going to tell you exactly what it needs. And it's usually there to keep you safe. It tells you I'm here to keep you safe. And I like to say, what do you need for me to feel safe to leave my body? And it's like it anything like i do this with people all the time and they'll get you need to go for a run you need to run more you need to clean up your eating you need to have that emotionally uncomfortable conversation like every it will tell you if you really trust and listen to yourself and most of the time it's like you need to trust trust so then i ask myself okay if i trusted myself today what action would i take And then, you know, I just start checking the boxes and then fear comes in again. It's like, oh, you know, I gave you an hour. So now we gotta try again. And I'm like, damn it. Very persistent. (laughs) It's very persistent. And like that to me is the boundaries. That's the boundaries of understanding where fear is. Cause I work with women, like working women, raising children who are trying to do that balance life stuff like work and home. And then women who are trying to raise like literally uh, next level businesses. And I will see people, especially in the business realm, be so focused, focusing their time, their energy on things that are not revenue generating activities. And I'm like, you're way in left field and you say you wanna be way over here and then you complain that you have no time. Do you understand that your actions are being dictated by fear? Like you're over here so freaking out that you're not gonna be able to make money but not reaching out to potential clients, you're at the bank trying to get a loan. And it's like, why are you at a bank trying to get a loan when you know damn well you're not gonna be able to get one? Just use your damn credit card and go out and talk to your actual potential clients, but you're so afraid to be seen. Mm. So it's like, if you don't know how to manage your fear, like failure is 100% guaranteed. And what I mean by failure, to me failure is like, you just stop trying, that's when you fail. But every day I fail at something because perfection like, does not exist. It's so patriarchal, it is like ridiculous. I hate the term perfection because it's like, who invented, the, the, Like, you need to do it this way, this way, this way. But it's fascinating when I ask people, what feels good to you? And they're like, I don't know, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, when did you become disconnected from yourself? I don't actually know what success is going to look like for you i can co-create with you and challenge you but if you're not coming to the table with your own ideas and your own creativity the second we're no longer working together you're going to crash and burn because you were so codependent on me thinking i was stronger than you and bolder than you and had more power you have the fucking power your Mm -hmm. responsibility is to Keep digging for it while I show you an alternative that maybe you haven't thought of.
0: Right. I mean, all that landed just, you know, exactly up, up my alley. And it's cool when you're in the space and you do that work. And as somebody who's kind of overcome, you know, like you said, you fear will always show itself. It's just going to, it's like, great. You pass the test on that thing, but don't worry. We're, you know, fear is going to show itself in this next situation or, or opportunity or whatever that is. And I think, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head with, especially if you're just starting out you don't have the track history to base your successes or your thought processes on. You're kind of just stepping into this unknown. And so many, you know, especially women, because we're, we want to do it all. And we want to do it very, very well. We want to do it perfectly. And, you know, it, as much as it doesn't exist, we're still still going to strive for that. And so when we're at this place that we feel so panic and fear driven and, and all those things that we Turn to somebody else who has done the thing that you want to achieve and just look for them to tell you what to do, right? As you said, and that's all well and good And like a few different examples to kind of just shortcut some things. And it's like, okay, but at what point does the individual... Take personal responsibility for their own actions and decisions, and start thinking on their own. And like you said, having that codependency, especially if you're in, uh, you know, a service-based industry for like coaching or something like that, it's almost a disservice as a coach, but also more so as the client because you're just spending money and wasting each other's time because you're really not taking what is giving to you and applying it into your real life situation. So, like you said, when that relationship kind of ends, they're just right back to where they started. And that's ideally not what, you know, either of us are trying to do with, you know, our clients or the women that are seeking us for those opportunities. And it's funny how you, you know, mentioned about perfection and my book behind me, Chasing Perfection. I hated it. I hated this chase and the irony is I didn't even realize I was chasing perfection until well after the book was written because it was this unspoken expectation that, Our society and our culture dictates that it has to be a certain way. And so when you're falling short of that standard and expectation, it leaves you constantly questioning your worth, your thought processes, your insecurity, self-doubt. And bottom line, you question your value of like, am I even enough? Like, does it matter? Can I do the things or is this the right direction? And I am enough is a question that so many of us, it circulates in our mind when we're faced against, you know, uncertainty, unknown, doubt, fear, and the irony of that book. After writing it, it was just like it's a, it's a lot of my transformation journey and, and all the tidbits to give back and empower women to see themselves along the way and say, "Oh wait, I, you know, she could do it, I could do it," kind of thing. But some a lot more in depth to the book, but it's kind of cool because again, we start seeing these. I almost think like perfection is fear masked in perfection. Like it's wearing the perfection mask and it will constantly show up in different stages of our lives. And it's almost like our responsibility to get ahead of this now so that when we are faced with it, we recognize it like, all right, perfection, sit down, fear, shut up and, you know, faith, you know, trust, step in. I need you to be my guides. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a really cool look back story, but it doesn't feel so cool when you're in the midst of it.
1: Yeah. 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 Even you just saying this, like I reflect on some of my behaviors and be like, oh, that's not perfect. It's not done right. Oh, let me re record that. Let's do that Mm -hmm. again. I was at a lunch yesterday with a woman that I've met online. It's like I'm meeting all my like COVID friends now, like (laughs) local people. And she's like, I feel like I've known you forever. But I remember going there and I'm like, I don't want to dress up. I'm like, I don't like I don't wear a lot of makeup. But I didn't even shave my legs. I had shorts on. I was like, "Oh man, I should probably shave my legs." Had a t-shirt on. I'm like, "I'm good enough. Like, I don't need to." I'm. It's not going to a fancy dinner. Like, why am I changing? And I just don't want to. Like, I didn't want to, so I didn't. And I feel like the pendulum is swinging because, you know, they're like, "Look the part, look the part." I said, "Yeah, that's different if you're walking into a professional setting or something," but. There's a story that I haven't told that much, but I remember so I was in the hospital for treatment and I was bald cuz I shaved my head, and my hair was falling out and I was like puking and shitting my pants and like it wasn't a good scene. And one of the nurses who was working on me that day didn't really remember her cuz I was so out of it. Sent me a message on Instagram after and said, I just wanted to say thank you. Like, you've been a huge inspiration to me. And I'm like, What? She goes, I've been following you for a while and I would like to hire you.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: I thought, like, I was so embarrassed because of the vulnerability of how close she got to me. But I was like, This woman has seen me at my absolute worst and no makeup, no hair, like vomiting and pooping my bed. And she still wants to hire me and like pay what I charge. It was mind blowing. Cause she was like the grace that you just hold and how you show up. Like you, you are still the same person as how you show up online. Like, yeah, maybe you're more polished online because you're like, you know, you brushed your freaking teeth and put <laughs> some bronzer on or something and have a wig on, but it, you're still the same essence of the person and she's like i want to i want to learn how to be that type of person and that was such a game changer for me to realize that your worth is not in the money that's in your bank account Mm -hmm. or what you look like or everyone else's expectations of who you need to be it's really coming back to like this is who i am take it or leave it i'm not going to be the type of person that goes to a gala and wears high heels and drink champagne in every photo. Like that's just not who I am. So if you're expecting me to be that type of person, that's not who is going to show up.
0: Right. Oh, you make such a good point. I mean, how many of us have been at that part, you know, especially when we're dealing with women in that when I would go out with my girlfriends, I would spend so much of my time and energy dressing the part. And I remember my husband asking, he's like, well, are you guys like going out to like pick up other guys or like what? And I go, no, why? He goes, you don't even put that much effort in when you're, we're going out to date. And I, and I said, yeah, I know. He goes, all you girls just dress up for each other. It's just so you can get the oohs and ahs and compliments. And I was like, I never really looked at it that way. And it yeah. was so true because when us girls get together, we're like, oh my gosh, I love your shirt or your hair is so pretty or this and that. And that had always stuck with me. And as I was working through a bunch of my own crap, I, I'm very much like you and no makeup. I literally just came from the gym. I still have my sweaty pits and I'm in my gym gear and I'm just rolling up because this is how you will find me 95% of the time. And I don't want to be that mask chaser anymore, putting on the mask for the, the group of friends, putting on the mask when I have a meeting, putting on a mask when I have to go on my date nights. I just wanted to show up and be me. And when I started to really fully embrace that, it took off all that pressure and expectation to perform and please other people. And I get the same, same responses too. It's like, but you, you're always the same on online or offline. You're the same when I, you know, met you on uh at this networking event to just grab a cup of coffee. And it's like, that's it's easy for me to just now show up as me, but it was not. And you know, I'm sure that we have stories behind like the inner works that we had to do to get to that place where we can just feel you know, unapologetically ourselves, right? And I know that term's very thrown out there in the social world. Um, But I was actually thinking about this today because again, I just shared a little bit of things that, you know, like the panic, oh my gosh, five years and five weeks. And I was thinking about this today. I was like, I almost want to write a post. Like, I do not apologize for anyone who sees me bawling my eyes out at this moment because this stuff is real and it's in real time and it's happening. And, you know, putting on this fake mask, like, yeah, everything's great. Yay. You know, and and it's like, but then then I second guessed and I was like, why do I even have to mention that? Because it's just me being me. And, you know, people can have their thoughts and opinions on our perception of who we are, because at the end of the day, we go to bed with our own thoughts and ideas. And as long as you are at peace, it doesn't matter what other people think about you.
1: And that was was so crazy about that is as a woman, like when I was writing my book or doing something else and it was really, really uncomfortable, I like... I think in the last year I've become so detached from social because that's not mm-hmm. where I find my people. They'll they'll build a relationship with me and then come back to the podcast, but I I don't want to be in my stories all day and I really want to be sacred with my time. But, you know, I'm having moments and people be like, "Oh, but your life looks so great online." And I'm like, "I'm not online. Like what you're seeing is curated content and I don't want to be a part of the conversation anymore to have to educate you to realize that that is bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. you need to realize, but if you go to my podcast, you'll hear a little bit of behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But I I was like, oh, I'm crying, I'm this and this, I should tell people. And they're like, you make it look so easy. And I'm like, that's because you're looking at 1%. But then as a woman, I'm like, I'm having a moment. I should share this for other people to know that they're not alone. And I'm like, or I could just have my own damn moment. And Mm own it for myself and not have to turn that into a freaking learning opportunity right and be like just be you what do you want i'm like i just want to be left alone eating chips in my bed when i quote unquote shouldn't be eating chips watching netflix and not on social media and i don't i it's like if i choose to write a post about it i will but if i don't want to let it go
0: yeah 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 and there's that pressure again to you know share all facets of your life on social media, and it's like sometimes I just need those private moments so that I could process what's going on. And you know maybe there's a day where I'll talk further about these things. And you know we wrote a book about it, and you wrote a book about it. And it's the, those are when you've had time to process, you think about the lessons that have the biggest value and the most you know profound meaning meanings and things. That's the lessons. That's the work. That's the value not saying, Hey, it's okay. You know, eating chips in bed or, or, you know, sitting here with some sweaty pits and I don't even have any tissues to wipe that up. Like, you know, like, you know, it's just, this is the realness of it, but we all do those things and we have to give ourselves just credit and grace and just be like, well, whatever, this is just the moment. Like, yeah. you know, sitting in bed with chips, it might last an hour, a couple hours, or even a couple of days, but that's not who you are. And, and I think that's the importance of it. It's like, When we're we're creators putting out the content behind it, it's about showing that they too can be a victor of their situations and their stories that they tell themselves. And I think that for me is the value. So I try not to get caught up in sharing all those things, especially on social media. And even right now, personally, with so much things happening in my life, the last thing I want to do is pretend to write something that isn't... it, It almost feels empty. And void to create something and not have it sincere. And that was something I remember as a, as a creator with social and, and just saying, if it's not authentic to me in this moment, I don't feel that it's authentically going to be received in the way it's meant to be because our energy aligns with what we put out there. So I agree. I mean, I, thank you for sharing that because that keeps, again, the realness behind it. And social media, love it or hate it, It's what you as the creator behind it has the intention behind, but also as a viewer, what your intention is to get on social media and, you know, vicariously live through other people's lives, or are you using it for an instrument for good? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, this has just been an incredible conversation. And I love how we just kind of took this a little bit into that vulnerable shares. And, you know, like you said, I mean, I share more on my podcast than I do in, in social and I share into my inner circle as well, because that's where the real space is held for women to show up, to be seen, to be heard and to be real. And for somebody who also felt greatly misunderstood, I understand you. And it's uh, it's really cool when you can meet others who, who you resonate with and can connect on that kind of a vibe. So I just want to thank you. But for our listeners, I do you want to leave them with any final notes? You know, I guess when we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, how self-sabotaging is good, and and kind of recap on that because when we we find that silver lining, right? It's the goodness and all that that could be happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. I always. Self-sabotage to me is just a data marker of what is not working and how did I get here and where do I still need to improve? And I think when I actually finally got to the point of the acceptance of what the human experience is like, like imperfection. I love self sabotaging cuz I'm like how did why did this happen do, do I not was it unrealistic expectations do I not have the support that I need is there some inner work that needs to be done am I putting way too much pressure on myself and right now I'm just in a season where that is not my main focus and priority and not, am I going to be okay with that so um yeah it's such a good thing we need to stop pretending that like you know, there's five easy, quick steps to do that. So mm-hmm. I talk a lot about that on the podcast, the emotionally uncomfortable podcast. I'm, I pull back the curtains on parenting, business, humanness. And I really do believe that the better you feel, that is exactly the secret that you are looking for. And when you do feel stuck or overwhelmed, you know, there's many ways to get out of it, but you also have to just look at it and say, is this reality or have I gotten here because I'm choosing not to move? I'm choosing not to make a decision. so
0: right wow well those who are listening this has been an incredible conversation seriously you're, from your story to the candidness to the vulnerable shares and just keeping it real because that's what the confident woman podcast is all about so how can our listeners get in touch with you or, or learn more about you i know that you had mentioned your podcast again emotionally uncomfortable podcast so make sure you guys check that out as well and then how about what is your favorite online platform or ways to connect with you
1: the podcast the book dying to be a good mother you can get that anywhere books are sold online and i also do give people a freebie like if you go to heather chauvin c-h-a-u-v-i-n i I like to spell my last name dot com forward slash life quiz so there's actually like this quiz that we created that shows you where to focus your energy and attention so typically women are like i i want more energy i don't know where to focus so it takes two minutes and you can do it by yourself i don't get like the data points of your stuff and it's just a pdf that you fill out it's 20 questions and it will show you exactly where to focus your energy and attention so you can live in alignment with how you want to feel
0: wow incredible Uh, of course, we'll include all that in the show notes. So again, Heather, thank you so much for just taking this time and and being being the guest of honor here. So thank you. Your story is profound and I know it will resonate with a lot of our listeners. So thanks again. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. Um, For more